back to the Gen Rise podcast. Um, I hope everyone is safe and well. By now, everyone must have heard or have been affected by the virus that's going on right now. My heart goes out to everyone who has been affected or is suffering. Personally, living in New York, uh, school has been closed for a while now. And New York stays on pause, which means that non-essential workers must work from home. Uh, all of my classes are online now. And for the most part, I'm trying to make the best out of it and using this time at home to catch up on things I didn't really have time for when school, physical school was in session. And COVID-19 has changed all of our lives. And I don't know how it's going to be after this. I think a large part of our lives are going to change. And we've already seen a lot of change already. Millions of Americans have filed for unemployment. And hundreds of thousands of people have died due to the virus worldwide. There's also unfortunately been a surge of hate crimes and attacks against Asian Americans. And blaming them for the virus. So today I wanted to dedicate this podcast and spread awareness of these hate crimes and also talk about the history behind Asian American hate crimes or the hate crimes during pandemics. I also will be joined by my Asian American friends on a call later on and I'll ask about their experiences and just chat. So firstly, hate crimes by definition are described as a crime that sometimes can be violent and it's definitely motivated by prejudice on the basis of race, sexual orientation, or other grounds. As mentioned before, there was a rise of reported crimes against Asian Americans and USA Today reported that there have been 16 reported crimes that are classified as hate crimes in New York City alone. And this is as of May 29, 2020. So throughout the U.S., there's probably hundreds of hate crimes that go unreported because maybe some might be embarrassed or afraid. They just don't want to make a big deal out of it. But there's a list on ADL.org that's linked in the description, and it has lists and just shows all the hate crimes that have happened especially during the virus to Asian Americans so a lot of the facts I got were from that website um as I was reading through the attacks they mostly include spitting on the victims calling them names and slurs and sometimes it can even lead to violent physical altercations between the two parties and there's also even cases where kids and elderly are attacked Uh, so mostly for me being in New York this is sort of scary because I don't really see it a lot it's not something that you would really see every day but just knowing that this is going on out there super close to me, I don't know how it's going to be like after the virus. And also, some of the 
attacks that I read were super close to me, like two or three train stops away. Moving on, I wanted to talk about the history behind hate crimes against Asian Americans. As I mentioned above, around the 1850s, there was a large group of Chinese people coming to the United States mainly to find gold and strike it rich. However, they were mainly taken on as jobs for laborers and especially for the Transcontinental Railroad is one of the most famous examples. And um, so they basically kind of settled in California and more immigrants started coming and coming. These Chinese immigrants started taking more and more jobs for laborers like domestic servants and just taking on the less wanted jobs of society. The people started labeling them as job stealers and unneeded competition, bringing diseases. Even in the media, they were labeled as uncivilized, dirty, and just bashing them. So while I was researching about the history of violence against Asian Americans, I came across this story in Los Angeles. So this happened in 1871, and this is not really shown in the press or spoken about, and I did not even know about this until today while I was researching. So basically, long story short, in 1871, there before this whole fight or massacre, there was the press and the citizens were fairly neutral about Chinese and their the newly arrived immigrants. So after this, probably tensions building up in Los Angeles, where there was a word the Chinese mostly settled together. There was a struggle between two rival gangs, and just to sum it up, 17 Chinese men and boys were hung and left to die. I mean, the worst part is, I think, is that the press talked about it for a few days, but this massacre, this horrible tragedy, was never really mentioned and it's not really known, which I think is horrible. And I think that these 17 people deserve to have a little justice. I think from what I can find, only 10 stood trial when about 25 people were involved in the murder of these 17 men. And I believe only eight were convicted on these charges, but they were overturned because of some technicality and they were never, they never served any jail time and this, the victims never got any justice. And even still after this horrible tragedy, the press went back to blaming Chinese people and still continued to bash them, and nothing really changed. And according to time, I think this really connects to the instance happening right now about the coronavirus. 
I think back then, around 1875, when there was a smallpox outbreak in San Francisco, health officers blamed Chinese, who they deemed as dirty and not following sanitary laws. And moving on, in 1900s, when the plague broke out in Honolulu, the Board of Health set fire to 41 buildings in Chinatown. And I wanted to share these two instances because it really shows how, you know, through epidemics like this, it really shows that there's a history behind blaming Asian Americans and other minorities during disasters like these. There's a lot more uh, instances of hate crimes against Asian Americans. The most probably well-known ones are the detainment of Japanese Americans after Pearl Harbor and after the Vietnam War. There was a lot of racism against Asian Americans. And scapegoating and Crimes during pandemics have been happening since forever. Like during the Black Plague, about 200 Jewish communities were completely wiped out because they were being blamed that they spread. And it's even as recent as the Ebola crisis where African Americans were being being, um, treated with stigma, and there was a lot of misconception and fear, racism towards African Americans during the time. Moving on, I wanted to talk about the dangers and the consequences of attaching a, a ethnic group or a country's name to a sickness, especially as we've seen the media labeling it as the Chinese flu or the Wuhan virus or the Kung flu. There's a lot of labels going around, which is really harmful because this can create even more racism and hate crimes against Asian Americans. And it can lead to more people thinking that all Asian Americans spread the virus and they were the ones who brought it to the United States, and so on. This is even seen with the Spanish flu during the 1920s. The history behind the influenza, there's research shown that it did not start in Spain, but instead probably somewhere in France or in Kansas, right in the United States. And it was named the Spanish flu you know, Spain was attached to that flu because they were the only country that was, one of the only countries that was reporting on it. And I don't think a lot of people know about the history behind why it's called the Spanish flu. And it was because during World War One, a lot of countries didn't want to report how horrible the war was going for both sides, all the, all the casualties, and they wanted to keep the the flu out of the media too and spain was one of the few countries that remained neutral during the war and they were the only ones reporting the casualties and the horrors of the war and they also include 
included how bad the flu was getting. And since they, they were the only, one of the only countries reporting about the flu, the Spain somehow got a, attached to the flu. And now it's known as the Spanish flu. And this can cause a lot of misunderstanding, especially to Spain or to the Spanish. So I think there should be a lesson learned for everyone, how in the future, and especially now, we should really try to avoid putting a ethnicity or nationality onto a name and attaching it because it can cause a lot of confusion and misconception that will lead to even more hate, especially when we should all come together during this time of trouble and be there for each other in our community. And we shouldn't be pushing each other away or hurting each other. And we're back with my friends on the call. I apologize in advance for the kind of the radio static thing, but I hope you guys enjoy our conversation. Okay, can you guys introduce yourselves? Uh, hello everyone, my name is Queenie Chung, and I'm originally from New York, but I live in Plymouth, Massachusetts, but I'm a, a student in Boston, and in terms of dealing with the current pandemic, I am working three times a week at a restaurant, but staying home most of the other days. Hi, my name is Jessica, and I am living in New York City, I went to I was in college in Long Island, but then I came back to uh, New York City because of the uh, coronavirus. And I've been in quarantine for two, two and a half months now. So have you guys heard of any hate crimes against Chinese Americans because of the virus? Yes, I've read lots of incidents where Asian Asians in uh New York City have been targeted. Mm-hmm. What about you, Queenie? I've also heard a lot of numerous uh, hate crimes ever since the COVID-19 became prevalent abroad and at home, such as like Amer- Asian Americans and Asians being attacked and harassed on the streets. Like I've seen news from Canada, Australia, within the States as well. Mm-hmm. I'd like, do you guys know what these attacks are? Like, any like specific examples? So, more confrontational, uh, very mm-hmm. physical as well. Um, I haven't dealt with it personally, but I know that there are a lot of people who are being um, confronted on the streets verbally and physically being attacked. Yeah, I was researching, and there's a lot of cases in New York, attacks on um, Asian Americans, and some aren't even Chinese, but because, like, of their Asian physical traits, they're targeted too, and they can get spit on in the subways. They're also called slurs and names, and sometimes it even leads to physical fights. So, like, how does that make you feel? I mean, especially for me, because I'm in New York and reading all of these things that happen so close to me. Like, there was one in, uh, there was one in, like, three train stops away from me. So, how does, like, especially Jessica, you, because you live in New York, how does that make you feel? 
uh, reading reading how like a lot of these have been happening close to where I live, it's really scary, and I'm afraid to go outside alone because there's a good chance I'll be targeted. Yeah, I mean, before we go into um like the specifics of the hate crimes now because of the virus, just like um historically, have you guys ever had any um instances where you guys been discriminated because? You're Asian, or have you heard of any examples, or has it happened to any of your friends before? So yeah, before the virus, especially living in predominantly Caucasian areas all my life, like Cape Cod and Plymouth right now, I have, and my friends too, been discriminated against and bullied. Um, like especially in middle school, it was very prevalent. And I became more self-aware of my situation compared to when I used to live in the Cape because I dealt with it every single day from there on. And I think it's more of the fact that because I lived in such a small Asian community versus like New York that Mm -hmm. you're the target and center of attention when it comes to like a small minority. Right. Um, So... Is there an instance where you walked into a crowded area, like especially now during the virus, and did they give you looks? I know it's not exactly confrontational, but were there any like changes that you noticed how um, others viewed you because of the virus now? Yes, I get paranoid that people look at me for at a diff- like with a different reason. It's mm-hmm. not like before where if they're looking at me it's probably because I'm either Asian or I'm just a person but now it feels like in their minds with my mindset is them saying like she must have COVID-19 or her people did this to us kind of mentality Mm -hmm. and I think it's um maybe not as much to an intensity as living in Plymouth but also in New York there's so many hate crimes like this too so Jessica how do you feel now and how do you think others view you after the virus? Do you Are you paranoid too? Uh, yeah, I, I am definitely paranoid. It, it was I remember in the beginning of March, one weekend, I came back from uh, college. So I was on the train coming back with my friends. And I remember we were all, me and my friends, me and my uh, Asian friends, we were all wearing masks right on the train. And when we were standing in the corner, we saw a couple of like, a couple of white people on the train just staring at us. Like, even though there were other people on the train wearing masks, they chose to stare at us and for the entire train ride. And we were just, like, looking at them, like, what is going on? So that was, like, the first time I felt, like, yeah, like they, I, I felt like because of because of, uh, of our race, we were being just stared at for, no, for, for like, no reason. Mm-hmm. And, like, after that, I, I just didn't, I, I felt like I didn't want to go outside anymore because people would just look at me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree too. Um, I haven't been outside that much before the virus. And um, because you were on the train from Long Island to New York, maybe that's a little bit different from my area right now. Because the area I live in is predominantly Asian Americans. But I am definitely paranoid too. And might be a little worried about going back outside after everything. Okay, so moving on, I mentioned before the call about um, the media naming or kind of um, coining the coronavirus as Kung Flu or um, the Wuhan virus or the Chinese virus. 
how do you think branding or attaching a country to a sickness or disease how does that affect the way others view this pandemic i think in general chinese americans and chinese in general are deeply upset for sure and because like we're usually given um titles such as like uh, model minorities and are challenged by stereotypes all the time this given name, like the Chinese virus, just feels like another limitation and insult to us as people and our culture. And I think that because the Chinese Americans are now blamed for the virus, they had no pardon for as many of us have, haven't have gone back to um, our family's place of origin or mm-hmm. haven't been there in a while. The virus has been, um, it's just better to have the virus be named for its medical and scientific term to address it. Yeah, and I think that reminds me, um, I think the FBI released some research that there hasn't been a hate crime against that ended a murder against um, Asian Americans since 2003. And hate crimes against Asian Americans have been declining over the last 15 years. And especially now, it's been rising up again. And do you, do you guys think we're far off from a hate crime ending in, like, a death anytime soon? I honestly not sure at all. Uh, I'm not sure either. But from what's been from what's been going on, it's going to take a long time for things to go back to the way it was before, where mm-hmm. we don't see like an attack against the Asian community every single day. Yeah, and there's, I think it uh, reminds me of um, when Pearl Harbor was bombed and all the Japanese were um, sent to concentration camps. What do you guys think about that? With how history has detained and controlled Asian populations, because in which they have the power to in most mm-hmm. cases when it comes to um, any instances where they feel threatened, they always have the opportunity to, it's like I've heard on the news that it's unconditional. Those living within like America, even if you're like an immigrant or you've been residents there, your, your stay is always unconditional or conditional um, depending on the situation. So when the um, Japanese Americans and the Japanese were contained in these camps, they must have felt betrayed, especially for those already Mm -hmm. living in America. Yeah, and also reminds me, a lot of people are scapegoating the Chinese and Jews too um, because of this virus and blaming them. Why do you think people still continue to do this, even though it's not necessarily all of Asian Americans' fault that the virus spread and not all Asian Americans have the virus. Why do you think people are still blaming and scapegoating Jews for these things that are against, are a control, that are out of control? I think it all comes down to racism. It's easy to just put the blame on a certain group of people because of your prejudice is against them? Mm-hmm. I haven't heard any particular news about how the 
um, Jewish people are involved. But I just know that when it comes to hate and what's happening with COVID-19, because there is a strain between the relationship of America and China, I think it's just easier to, like what Jessica said, to pinpoint blame on another group when something is happening because it's just easier not to put yourself at fault when another side could have a possible responsibility for it. Yeah, definitely. And also I wanted to ask about another really important pandemic that happened in the 1920s that also killed a lot of people and it was the influenza, but it's widely known as the Spanish flu. So how do you think that affected the Spanish community back then? And especially Spain, because a lot of people thought that it originated in Spain. But I think the origin of that name is because during the World War, not not a lot of the countries, I don't think any of the countries involved, wanted to report how horrendous the war was, was doing and how many casualties and the horrors of the war they didn't want to report it. And Spain was... One of the few countries that remained neutral and was still reporting the truth and to their citizens and was being published in the media. So when the flu broke out, nobody really wanted to report on it, especially not the countries that were going that were in the war. And so Spain was one of the few countries that reported it. And that's why people thought that originated from Spain. And now it's called the Spanish flu. So how do you think that affected Spain at that time? And still now, a lot of people think that people who speak Spanish got the flu. I think from my perspective, they must feel stigmatized from it because while this particular flu didn't originate from Spain, the name created an unnecessary link between the Spanish people and their culture to a deadly virus. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree with Queenie, and I would like to add on that before I found out the, the history befo- uh, behind the Spanish flu, I, I thought that it was because of the Spanish people that the flu spread uh, so quickly. So I, I definitely uh, agree that this that the, the name puts a link between um, the virus and the, the people. Yeah, and it's like recorded in history books and in the media people still call it the Spanish flu and for people who don't really know or haven't really like researched the the origin of why it's called the Spanish flu it definitely leads to a lot of um stigma around Spain and people still believe that it originated in Spain but i think it would originated in either in Kansas or somewhere in France but I think this really shows how during pandemics, linking a country or a race to a disease is extremely unnecessary and really harmful because it can lead to people thinking that it really is um, that country's fault and it can lead to an inc- increase of hate crimes, as seen now. So leads me to my next question. How can we as a society avoid or lessen hate crimes due to things that are controlled, like the virus? I just think that unless there's already support for it, then it's going to be difficult to avoid hate crimes in general and given a community because 
depending on how the community thinks and acts to the news and how Trump deals with um, COVID-19, many people are going to have different responses to it. But I think in general, it's best to make people aware of the consequences of their words and actions, Mm -hmm. and especially for media, as they should not involve their personal biases, because when it comes to these news stories, it also facilitates how people react. Yeah, um, I think it's really important for people in, like, a high position of authority, like the president or uh, other members of, like, Congress or anything like that. I think it's really important that they are are careful with the words that they say, especially if they have, like, a bias towards um, a certain group of people. They should, they should choose their words very wisely because their words have, like, a big impact on their supporters and the, uh, the citizens of, like, the uh, United States. So I think... I think um, the president and uh, other officials they should they should be careful of what they say uh, and also the media the the words that they write in the articles are really influential in um, in influencing like people's actions towards like the the groups that are being targeted right now. Yeah, and I think it's up to parents and adults and educators to teach. The people who might not know and the younger generation that it's nobody's fault and we should never, you know, scapegoat anyone or attack or harass anyone because of their race. Also, have you guys heard of the Guardian Angels? Uh, the news? Is it In, like the news source? No. No, no, then no. Jessica, what about uh, you? I, I heard of them. I, I've seen like Instagram posts from my friends. Uh, it's like I think they're a group of they're a group of uh, people who are trying to protect the Asian community. And oh yes, never mind. Yeah, yeah. So I think their their job is to like help help out um, to make sure they're they're not getting targeted in uh, during this time. Yeah. So it was created in New York, and it's a crime fighting organization that uh, was created to protect citizens. And so they're trained in uh, some in uh, some form of, of fighting and they know they're trained in CPR. So I they wear like a jacket with like a symbol on them that represents the guardian angels. And especially now, they um, there's a lot of them in Chinatown and they're just helping citizens and trying to help those who might be targeted because of a hate crime. So what do you guys think about the Guardian Angels? Um, I think I think what they're doing is really nice and I think uh, more people should be like them. Not not like going not not like fighting uh, people, but like uh, I'm saying more people should be should be more helpful and caring of other um minority groups mm-hmm. and i think overall like in general people should people, like i think all minority groups should like you know work together to help each other out in times of like you know what's like especially what's going on right now i think it's important for people to come together and uh not not be like hating on each other because that that's not going to help anything yeah queenie any last thoughts i feel like with these certain groups they're taking the initiative to stand up for those who are abused by power. And I think it's a great change for especially minority groups that don't have that much power to fight against 
these discriminations and these harassments and attacks. And I, I think it's just very helpful to give people motivation to fight back. Okay, that was all. Thank you guys for coming out and calling. I really appreciate your insight and your thoughts. And I really want to stress that, especially in times of trouble right now, I feel like as a community, we should all come together and support each other instead of hurting each other and, you know, um, putting each other down. Thank you for listening, and I hope to catch you on the next podcast.